Boston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. It's been a little minute here, Ronan. I barely remember what you look like. It's what has it been ten days. <laughs> it has it has been a while, and uh, a lot of stuff has gone on. Not just uh, in terms of the playoffs, but we're starting to see some change around the league, and uh, some teams that uh, had early playoff losses are now looking for new head coaches. Some star players seem to be upset in their situations. I think the off season's starting to boil up, even though we haven't even. Uh, Finished with the playoffs yet? Yeah, we, we can't even talk about the playoffs right now. And there's already like the offseason never stops. It's it's just a constant slow of this coaching carousel, constant injuries, people talking about trade talks. And I, I can't go one week without seeing a ridiculous Knicks trade proposal. Like you, you guys haven't been out of the playoffs long enough to be making Luka Doncic trade proposals. But here we are. These are the tabloids that we have to read. Um, <laughs> of fantasizing that we get from from the crazy stuff that has just happened over the past decade i mean like Kawhi just magically making his way over to the raptors uh the amount of teams russell westbrook who's gonna be an all all-time player has, has played on the the movement around the league like everybody thinks that something crazy is going to happen to them um except for the celtics i think it's pretty clear that every celtics fan knows every offseason now at this point that they're going to get a solid deal and that's just about it and we have a new GM here. We hope for some new breath into the front office of the Celtics. And Brad Stevens' first move, which came today, is to get back his uh, his big guy, to get back Al Horford, who just turned 35 and was basically approached by the Thunder, hey, we don't want you to get injured and win us games, and we can't trade for you. And then, lo and behold, here they are with another first-round pick in their back pocket for 35-year-old Al Horford. What are your first thoughts on this? I I have so many conflicting thoughts, and it boils down to a couple of things for me. But what's what's your instant reaction? Yeah, it could turn out. I'm kind of like just looking at it on paper. I'm kind of like this could turn out to be good business for both for both parties. Because let's be real, I think Kemba needed to be moved on. I think they they yeah. tried that. They they had the little tester to see what he could produce. Unfortunately. <laughs> Kemba, it was made. He, the guy's made to be a big fish in a small pond. That's what that's what we've learned from this little endeavor with the Celtics. Imagine your your coach gets upgraded to the GM, and the first thing he does is, "Yeah, I need to get rid of you." <laughs> <laughs> first order of business as the former coach and now GM is get rid of Kemba Walker. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's that will make that will make a, a lot of people around them happy, given that they clear. And I think they owe, they would owe Kemba seventy three million. 
I'm not sure. Yeah. That's over the next two years, was it? Next year, he's going to be paid $36 million. That is disgusting. That is disgusting. And and here's the thing for me. You know, a lot of Celtics fans are like, oh, that is a terrible trade. This is the worst trade that could have happened. And, you know, I, I there's two sides of the coin for this for me. One is this is a coach making a GM r- rookie mistake. You know, he's a coach. He wants to get the system that he had. He wants to get Al Horford, who is a key part of their, not just their defense, but he was a key playmaking hub. And that was huge for their young guys. And I don't know if it's going to pan out the same way, but what I do know is they are not getting 100% Al Horford from 2018, the last time he's had a good season. And for a 35-year-old, that's a long time ago. What are you getting, 20 minutes, 25 minutes out of him? So, I mean, the value you get back is, is terrible. But on the other side of it, I mean, it's very possible this is all they were going to get for Kemba. I mean, Kemba's product on the floor hasn't been good for basically – I mean, almost three seasons. I mean, he's had some, uh, a lot of ups and downs, but more downs and ups. And it's been clear that he's lost a step this year physically. And even just being in the situation with these other players on the floor. In the in campus time in Boston, that he wasn't uh, dovetailing well with the, with the star young duo and they need to, to change things up. And they've made that move. Now let's see what they do. Let's see what they do from here. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it there with with how it works in the court. And, and I think as when you look at it from Brad's perspective, getting rid of Kemba wasn't just about getting in, you know, get, getting in a star. I, I don't think that was their goal because let's be real. That was ammo, $36 million for a solid starter. I mean, Kemba Walker is still a good starter in this league. I mean, we, we have superstar expectations for him for his all-star years, but let's let's not let's not sugarcoat it. He's not what he used to be, but he still is a good starter. So, I mean, $36 million for that. And they still have future assets and they have Jalen Brown. And I mean, I, I think that they had a chance potentially to take advantage of, of some upcoming instability. You still don't know what's going to happen out West. You don't know what, what's going to happen over the off season. And you didn't have to make this move now. So, I mean, in my mind, if they wanted to make a huge splash and shoot for a superstar, they would have kept him, but I think just the the risk of him not having enough value and maybe doing too much and getting rid of Brown, because that would have been the cost or something like that. Maybe this was the best mid-tier move they could have made. And, you know, they're getting a guy, Al Horford, who I said, I mean, as a secondary playmaker, you can play him at, as a, as a handoff option at the top of the key. And the way that he has helped facilitate this team's offense over the years, I mean, he's going to create more for other guys than Kemba has as a center. I mean, if, if you watch how Kemba has been operating for the Celtics offense, I mean, he wasn't creating too many looks because he was getting doubled or because he was forcing help. I mean, he was, most of his shots are coming from contested step back jumpers and you already get enough of that with Tatum. I mean, you, I don't think the Celtics strategically needed a guy like him. They needed him to be more of a facilitator. So I, I think they're going to even gain, from not having around. We don't even know what Al Horford's going to do, but I think that if they have more playmaking from Tatum, from Brown, you, you might actually see another step from these two guys to be more definitive playmakers without Kemba on the court. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the only other thing I'm kind of looking at now is what, what's the incoming head coach of the Boston Celtics thinking when he sees a move like this? 
you're wondering are the guys that are there's obviously I think there's guys that are going into second round interviews now and I wonder if they're kind of looking like okay I'm kind of I, I didn't really want to deal have to deal with Kemba or are they kind of thinking what, what are they doing what are they doing getting rid of our third guy here that, that that'd be interesting I think uh see what's on the mind of the, of the coaches that are interviewing for the for the Celtics H, H coach job yeah. And the one good thing I would say that is Stevens is going to implement a clear vision. He's not, he's not going to be just amassing talent and figuring it out later. I mean, that, that's kind of a more of a Daryl Morey style uh, approach where you're, you're just trying to amass as much talent as possible. And okay, head coach, figure it out. I mean, think about Boston. I mean, we, we won't dive too far into these uh, coaching availabilities because I think when the Western and Eastern conference finalists are announced by the end of the week here, we're going to have a couple more vacancies. I mean, the, the Bucks are teetering here. They're, they're do or die. And it's not just the Bucks season. This is Bud's career. I think it's the writing is on the wall. Everyone sees it. There's no smoke. There's just fire. If Budenholzer does not at least advance the Bucks here to the Eastern Conference Finals, that the Bucks job is going to be there for the taking too. So, I mean, all, all these, all these uh, open positions, I mean, the Blazers, Celtics, Mavericks, Bucks. I mean, New Orleans, they're, they're not contending, but I mean, you got two young stars there. Um, I mean, Wizards, you get to coach Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, and you got a few young players on there to develop. Like these are some, these, this isn't just like the, the bulls, like, okay, try and figure it out. The Knicks, okay, try, try and figure it out, see what happens. And the Pel- obviously Pelicans, you had the, you got to uh, coach up Zion Williamson, but, and, and even the Hawks too, you didn't know what you're getting, but these are like bona fide contending teams who could definitely make strides well i won't include the wizards like that but <laughs> at least their situations are interesting there but three contending teams those three openings um it's gonna be really interesting to see what what coaches come into their own here do, do you want a veteran coach you want fresh outlook who knows yeah i think that's uh, yeah it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to keep an eye on over the next few weeks and see if uh See if teams maybe wait for the uh, the playoffs to end and wait to see if other teams decide to make moves before they uh, look to put their guy in place. It's going to be uh, there's still uh, a lot more stories to come out with all these vacancies, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, and and let's let's dive right into the biggest instability in the league right now, which is the collapsing Philadelphia 76ers. I've just never witnessed anything like this. I mean, cheers turning into booze as the 76ers are blowing a 26-point lead at home. They dropped second straight game. Now the Hawks are leading 3-2 with tonight. This is a Friday night we're recording here. Tonight they have a chance to survive, or they they might lose everything here. And, and then game four, Embiid's second-half choke job. Hacka Simmons last game in game five. Like It's becoming clear that this is the final chapter, even if they make it out. This is the final chapter, I think of the Embiid Simmons experiment, no matter what happens. I think it has to be. I think the Philly have to accept that that's the way it has to be. And obviously from my perspective, I'm thinking Embiid's the one that you go for, but even if that's oh, yeah. not, the end, they, no, no question. if they want right. to decide if they, they just have to make a decision that cause they're this as a duo, it, it just ain't going to work. Simmons his shooting and his lack of scoring is, is coming to be a problem again here. <laughs> I mean, it's. I've never been a big, big Ben Simmons guy. I've never really believed. Really? 
Yeah, I've we, never... we, we were getting a don't turn on Sim. We were just talking three episodes ago. It was out against the Jazz. And the Jazz were fully healthy at this time. Simmons had that 40-point game. And what did he do all game? He was posting up smaller guys. He had room to attack the basket. He, he was surrounded by shooters. And everything was about Simmons. There, there's he didn't have to figure out, okay, how do I how do I play off ball here? Screening for guys. Okay, stay out of the way of MB and make sure I'm not in the paint for too, for too long. Just he's not used offensively at all because he can't with Embiid on the floor. And that's fine in Philadelphia because Embiid's your best player. He's an MVP player. But is Embiid going to stay healthy long-term too? I mean, look, he's not going to – he undoubtedly is injured right now because he had so many miles on him. He, he, already, he already had lower body issues last year and earlier this season. He's had those back issues. But, I mean, you, you go through a laundry list, and it's affecting him here right now with this meniscus tear, and you can see it. I mean, he, he said it himself in game four. He didn't have enough lift. Like he couldn't even hit shots and get to the rim. So if next year he's ailing and, he, and you know, he needs more rest and you get Ben Simmons, and this is crazy. Don't, don't, I'm not going to pull the New York Knicks here or anything. But, I mean, no better fit, I've already said it, than the Chicago Bulls. Say he made it on the team with a guy like Zach Levine and, and Vucevic. They're no, they're no Joel Embiid. But if he's surrounded by off-ball shooters – elite off-ball shooters, and he can be the guy who's attacking the paint, who's posting a smaller guy. Like, he's shown that he, he can be a superstar if he's used in that way. I mean, Hacka Simmons is a thing, but, I mean, if he's at least making that impact, it doesn't matter. But he can't do that with Embiid around. That's fair enough. But at the same time, when I look at Ben Simmons, I'm not looking at a guy that a team can commit to building around. Maybe I'll I'll see it and I'll be and I'll be swayed and it'll be different. But looking at him, if he goes into a team, maybe the Bulls are a place that he could go in. If Levine continues to make his march towards stardom, Vucevic stays putting up the great numbers that he has done over the last few seasons, and you add Simmons to that, and it could become a thing. But I never I would always think of Levine as the star guy on the team. I'd never think that Simmons could go in there and become the star that leads the Bulls back up to the level that they want to be at. I would always have that be Levine to be to be that guy. Maybe I could be proven wrong, but in, for me, Simmons has got to get in the right situation. He's got to go into a team that needs his playmaking, needs his ability to to feed his teammates on the fast break and quick getting quickly down the floor and a guy that can just step up huge on defense. Like you, you, if I don't think we probably will see it, but if we, if we got to see this Philly team go into a conference finals or an NBA finals, then I think you would really see the value of Simmons on the defensive end. Unfortunately, his offense just doesn't work with this Philadelphia team. It's not going to – I'm not going to allow myself to, to fall into this trap. I, I will allow everybody else to because I hope his value goes down. <laughs> Maybe the, the Bulls end up with him. But but I think we – I mean, going back to the instability part of this, we, we can't just talk about the 76ers. I mean, the Hawks, who at the beginning of the season looked like a team that that we definitely thought was a rush team. We didn't think the Hawks were ready this year. It's too soon. Trey shouldn't be thinking about – managing a team at his age. So, I mean, not even 
he's not even 25 yet and he's already grumbling about not having the team that's right for him and then ownership is doing the same so we've kind of felt like this is our initial pressure that this team was put together to try and make a desperate attempt at the playoffs and this isn't a desperate attempt i mean they are coalescing like a team that's been together for years and i think just the mental toughness to get through a physical defensive beast that is the philadelphia 76ers makes this so convincing not that not just that trey young is a superstar but that this Hawks team is a legitimate future contender. It, it, I mean, not future. I mean, they are on the verge of being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, they're, they are right now a contender. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And the, and the road guys are, are stepping up big. I mean, in game four, Philadelphia had a fairly significant lead as well in that game. And Collins stepped up with some big dunks and some big plays to just keep them around the mark. Yeah. Defensively, then, too. Yeah. And, and they were able to get back into the game and get the win. Of course, MB going 0-12 really helped that, but still. And Bogdan Bogdanovich, he is really showing Milwaukee what they're missing out on in this it, it, throughout the playoffs with, uh, with Atlanta. I think I've seen it in almost every game of this series. There's been periods where the Hawks have just gone completely or ice cold. And Bogdanovich has stepped up and made some crucial baskets that's kept them in games yeah. and kept them. You could argue in this series, he has been so crucial to them. And it's absolutely, it, it's showing in the playoffs. We didn't get to see a lot of it in the regular season. He was injured and he had a lot of uh, different issues, but we're seeing the value of, uh, of Bogdanovich now. And it's coming up trumps for this, uh, for this Atlanta team. You know who would really look good with? The Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I'm sure that's a thought that has to go through their mind every oh, night. Yeah. Like oh, they just yeah. wake up in the middle of the night and say, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> and th- this, this guy has been unbelievable. And you said it for his, his injuries this, this past season. And again, for, for the Hawks to be a team that's been through a lot. And let's remember, they're not with two of their key wings, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, two young guys that, I mean, the Hawks to be, a below average defensive team from the start and to be pulling off these type of defensive schemes against the 76ers. I mean, it's, it's textbook. Yeah. They're really, they're really killing my, my theory about how Philly were the best team to, uh, to take down, to take down Brooklyn. They might even, might not even get the fucking chance to do that now. <laughs> I know I, I got some money on the line on the net. See, I'm, I'm not even sure what's going on. So let's, let's jump to that. This is a series that I thought was over in game two. And it yep. just goes to show the golden rule is that the home team, it's not a series until the home team loses. I didn't. I can't even remember how it went after that whole uh, Mavs Clippers series when <laughs> it was an alternate reality. But I think it's been amazing. The Bucks have not lost a home game in the playoffs yet this year, and for them to have that turnaround after horrific collapses against the Nets, horrific. I mean, it was in in two games. It had been the worst deficit in league history alongside um alongside the Suns and nuggets deficit i mean it it was terrible Giannis didn't look like he was playing right drew and chris middleton the guys we've crowned as the two most underrated guys in the league it looked Mm -hmm. pretty pretty rated Mm -hmm. they look pretty rated there but i mean after last night drew holiday finally come to life i mean (laughs) He's been scoring 17 points, 13 points, 9 points, 14 points, 9 points on 38 minutes a game. I mean, that's that's replacement level player stuff right there. 
So for him to finally show up last night, cracking 20 points on top of Middleton having another game of his life, that they're showing signs of life that I'm, I'm actually, you flip a coin tomorrow. I don't think Harden's going to show up. He's nah. still hurt. He doesn't look, they, he doesn't look they, right. I know it's Harden and it's still probably better to have him on the court, but he's a passenger for the team at the moment. And he's really negatively impacting their offense. Obviously, he's doing a little bit of scoring and making some plays, but overall, he's making it harder for other guys to score the basketball. The transition play is non-existent with when Harden's on the court handling the ball. And it's putting even more pressure. Not that KD, KD can handle any sort of scoring pressure you can put on him. But even this is a, is a, is a test for, for, for Durant. And we saw it big time last night. He struggled a lot of times where he was forced into taking tougher shots where if they had played with just that little bit more urgency, that little bit more speed, it would have been a much a much easier situation for them to to convert. So I, I, I favor I'm favoring the books going into this uh going into this game seven. But at the same time it's Middleton and Giannis against KD and you still wouldn't be betting against KD winning that battle. <laughs> And you want to see somehow the team beat these superstars at their at their full complement, but at the same time, you're not really going to feel too bad, especially down the fact that they, they can come back next year and be oh 100 and just absolutely walk it. So I'm not going to be too worried if they don't get the job done. But let's not rule them out because KD could still step up. Uh, one guy I do want to talk about, one guy we were really ragging on a few weeks back was Brook Lopez. And he's really stepped up. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll. I, I do. I'll, I'll backtrack that because he's he's been very important for them. I I didn't think that he'd be able to put together these performances in the playoffs, especially how he's fallen off. But I mean, he he's been huge protecting the rim. He's actually stretching the floor, shooting efficiently, and you know you get some moments of him being in the paint, and they need that. Giannis can't be the only one to to be in the post, and he's been providing really solid value there and Blake Griffin I mean how many how many more post-ups can Blake Griffin survive I mean he he's been he's just been battered this in this entire Nets experience I don't think playing the center was exactly uh what he had planned for (laughs) coming over here he's he's still working it out pretty well he's he's been he's been impressive in this series he's he's stepped up when he uh he's been called upon and he's he's stepped up in in, uh in a lot of situations especially in the games that the the Nets have uh have won. He's been a key contributor on, on both ends of the court. One thing I will say about about last night was Giannis finally remembered that he is not Steph Curry, and he did <laughs> not shoot a single three. And it was so much better for him and the team as a whole to see that. He still had thirty points, seventeen boards, and he went and got the shots that he wanted rather than settling like he has been doing in some of the games previously. Yeah. I don't know. Now is not the time for that. You're right. Like now's the time to lean in on what's what you've been good at your for the past five years and just truck through guys and get to the rim because this, this team was not built to survive a downhill attack and protecting the paint like that. Like they, they, they can't survive when they have Blake Griffin on the island and Giannis decides to get into the paint. They can survive, though, if, if Giannis is taking pull-up jumpers, he's mm-hmm. taking fadeaway threes. I mean, I, I think 
we we were talking about it earlier and it was just shocking to me the, the amount of turnaround jumpers he was taking. And now I get it, he's 25 and you want to see him his game advance. You want to see him be hitting threes. You want to see him be adding that mid-range game in order for him to continue to be an all-time player. I mean, because that, that's, I mean, that's his goal. That's where he wants to be. I mean, this guy's already a two-time MVP by 25 years old. We can't forget how young he is. Like, mm. we, we can't just stick him in a box. I think he'll continue to, to develop that shot. But whoever is his shooting coach, I mean, he needs to be fired. I mean, his, his hand placement is still terrible. I mean, his, his jump shot still looks so awkward. And that can't just all be on Giannis. It it can't it can't Wait, all be why, why why isn't Chris Middleton working as a shooting coach? The guy's got a smooth jumper. But seriously, <laughs> seriously, a playoffs of the ages, despite the injuries. Um, so I guess we should jump right there. I mean, let's talk about a little bit of Jazz Clippers. No more Kawhi. That is killer. tough. But here's all right. Here's the equivocation uh, here. It's an ACL injury. It's not a tear. It's an injury. I feel like that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a, you you can sprain so a tear is basic basically a big tear. A sprain is a little tear. And I mean if you sprain your ACL though. I I don't think Kawhi Kawhi on the brink of potentially free agency. I don't think he's going to risk it. Kawhi in his camp knowing what I what we know about how they've approached these types of injury things like he's going to not play. Mm. So what, I think if if they, in my mind, if they had said sprain, then that would have led public reaction about, okay, you should be playing if it's just a sprain. It's not a tear. Yeah. But at the same time, you're at huge risk for injury. Um, so I don't think we're going to see Kawhi for the rest of this postseason. It's going to have to be PG, Reggie Jackson, Batum, Morris, and the crew for the rest of the way. Man, let's be, let's be fair. PG thirteen has finally decided to come and to play in the postseason. He's finally decided to show up. He has been awesome the last three games, especially. I think in that opening series of Dallas, that was all Kawhi. Really, he was he was the difference maker. But PG has really stepped up. He's kind of been like, right, I can be the guy. Give me the ball. And I'll do my thing, and that's exactly what what he has gone and done. I mean that that game five performance, thirty seven, sixteen, and five, uh, a, a steal, two blocks. He shot fifty five percent from the field. Like he was, he was absolutely unbelievable. And he's getting that efficiency that he had in the regular season, and that we usually don't get to see in the playoffs. Let's just see. Probably knowing Kawhi is down. Can he just take this now in his stride and continue to push on? That's what we have to wait and see. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for the Jazz to to overcome even even with the the Clippers being down Kawhi. Yeah, the Conley's been a huge loss for them. I mean, yeah. you can you can just see that when Diamond Mitchell steps off the court. I mean, the only real creator, Joe Ingles, does a fantastic job. I love Joe Ingles. Love me some Joe Ingles game, but really probing the paint. And getting good shots. That's something that Conley was hugely important for, especially when Donovan Mitchell's not on the court. Because Jordan Clarkson, he's he's there. So he can he can blow by, he can make first reads, but I mean he's not playmaking for others. And Conley really helped to unlock that jazz system this year. And it's becoming clear, you know, not even in a negative way, because I mean, guess what? Jazz's system as a whole, they got them to being the best team in the league this year. So it's not necessarily a knock, but it's clear how much of a system team they are that, you know, they can't really 
change their play style here. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all, they're either on fire from three or they're not. And they're, they're losing these battles because they're just continuously hugging up threes. They have hot first starts and they sink in the third and Paul George credit to him being a steady mid range shooter, being a steady source of points from the mid post, having more of that slow style of game. The Utah Jazz really shot themselves out of the last few games, I think, with the barrage of threes that they basically live or die off of, it seems. Yeah, I think that's it's 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 not surprising that that's that's the way that a team has decided to kind of build their their success around that sort of uh that sort of style of play, given them the modern NBA, they love the three ball, you know, but the fact that it's it, it seems to be so tough for them to to go another way if that on a on a given night if something like, if that's if the shots are just not going down for them which can happen to any team no matter who they are no matter how good they've shot the ball all year on any given night your shot can just not be there and you gotta have other efficient ways of scoring the basketball and unfortunately for the Jazz they just whether it's they choose not to do it or they just don't have the belief themselves that they can score the basketball in that way I'm not I'm not really sure what it is but. That's certainly uh, the major kind of hang-up, the major limitation on this Jazz team is is finding other ways to win when their main asset of, of uh, shooting the, the three ball is not working as efficiently as they would have liked and has done throughout the, uh, the regular season. Well, I don't think they get enough heat for that. I mean, we, we had so many issues with the volume of three-point shots that other teams were taking, but for the Jazz, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like as if this hasn't been where the league's been trending and then they've just been the pinnacle of it this year, it seems. But I mean, I think a lot of it is is regression from, I mean, guys like Royce O'Neal. I mean, Royce O'Neal wasn't going to be a 40% shooter in the playoffs. Niang, I think Niang has had terrible, terrible minutes out there. I mean, they, they've let him out there and he's blown entire quarters. You gotta just be expecting monster, monster nights out of Bogdanovich, out of Ingles. You need more out of Gobert, and unfortunately, it's probably just not going to be enough. If Mitchell is there, only playing a fifty percent, or maybe only you only get the first, the first quarter, the first half out of him, he, he falls awkwardly on the ankle and and it and it knocks him out completely. It's it's a tough way for it to go down, but at the same time, you're like, this is why the Clippers have built this this team with two superstars. So when one of them goes down, they still have the other guy to lean on. Unfortunately for the Jazz, when Donovan Mitchell is down, they don't really have the second guy to lean on. Because yeah, Clarkson can, can step up with some big minutes, but he has no Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I I Do we have official picks in here? I, I'm going... I'm going Clippers. Suns. Suns take it all. I, I I think the Clippers have enough in them to, to yeah. pull this off. Yeah, I, um, I I'd agree. I think unless unless Mitchell is somehow hundred percent tonight. <laughs> and Astros got it. I don't know. I mean, he said it himself. He's not gonna. He said he feels he's not even gonna be right until the playoffs are over. Yeah, which that's uh, you never like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible for him. And and you got that same issue in. Philadelphia. I mean, even if the 76ers pull this off and get into the next round, like it's just in the back of your mind. And Bede is putting more and more stress on his body. Mm-hmm. And is is it for the 76ers, though, it, maybe it's maybe it's worth it. If they survive the Nets, I mean they, they have a pretty good chance against whoever comes out in the West. 
Yeah. But that, that would be, for me, that would be the ultimate, that'd be the ultimate test. You know, if I, I would, I would love to see it go down like this. If, as long as Chris Paul makes it back, I, I think that the Suns have a chance. They do have a legitimate chance to win it all. Yeah. If Chris Paul is healthy, if, if they, he passes through the COVID protocols and the Jazz Clippers go to seven, he'll at least be there for game two. If DeAndre Ayton has to go through a mix of Rudy Gobert and then Joel Embiid to win an NBA championship, that would have been the toughest gauntlet in the history of the NBA for a young set. Like there's just, I don't even have to look it up. That would have to be the most absurd gauntlet of going through Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, and then Joel Embiid. That would, he will have made his way and slaughtered every big across the league. I not, not slaughtered. I mean, he had, he held his own, but for, for the guy, I, I think it's a little late to talk about the Suns here, but I just have to continuously think about how DA has just completely changed from the beginning of the season. Like you saw his strides, but for him to put it all together and amplify it in the playoffs against the best in the league. I mean, it's no joke. I mean, if he proves it in the next two series here and they, and they win a title, I mean, that for me is, is, I mean, talk all we want about book proving his stardom CP three, proving that he's still a star in this league, despite his age. I mean, DA came on the scene. Well, we will have a couple of game sevens, hopefully, to, to be talking about um, by early next week. We'll, we'll break it down there. And, you know, what? a couple of those series might end up another coaching vacancy. Um, coming up soon, we will definitely want to be talking about where these coaches are going to go, how, you know, the offseason's already starting. We had our first sort of big move. I don't know if we talk about Kemba being a big move anymore, but that is maybe a domino of what's going to happen over the course of the summer in an interesting year, a tumultuous year, especially in the playoffs. And Ron, it's been awesome to get back on the mic here. Can't wait to see what we're going to see over this weekend. And, you know, pl- please try and keep your uh, Knicks folk in check. I-, I don't know what other trade rumors I'm going to be able to deal with from you people. Let us have it. <laughs> Just let us have it. And Philly, come on show us something get at least get to game seven you gotta you guys have gotta show some class show some respect for your game after that 26 point blow on in game in game five come on joel it's time to step up i don't care if you're hurting you gotta step up and get the job done yeah oh last point i i want i needed to say this actually shout out seth curry you almost dropped 40 this is the guy and that's more points than Josh Richardson dropped in the entire map series. What a trade. I mean, that, that, that I didn't expect that trade to pan out like that. I mean, I was definitely projecting big things for Josh Richardson, but shout out to Seth Curry, shout out to Daryl Morey for tweeting out to Seth Curry, join him. <laughs> Just that for other. Um, and, you know, if I'm going to look at my crystal ball here, I think we're going to get another, Another round of Hacka Simmons, and you might see Ben sit for the fourth quarter. For the last six minutes, you might see a whole lot of Ben on the bench. Hey, it's if that's what you gotta do, that's what you gotta do. And uh, that's gonna that's gonna be interesting to keep an eye on. But not only Ben, Tobias Harris, you gotta step up too, man. Only had four points the other night. Come on. This is, 
This is what happens when you trade Jimmy Butler, man. True. I I I I I was reading the book, the the book talking about the whole tanking to the top, the the whole Philly story. Oh, that yes. And obviously, what, the way they explained it, it kind of made sense why they why they had to get rid of uh, Jimmy. But at the same time, when I first saw that that deal, I was like, "What the hell are you guys thinking?" You've got to be taking Jimmy Butler over Tobias Harris. And it's, it's and unfortunately, it's still the case. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment